This is the Blossom of Thought podcast, a podcast about the body, mind, and soul. And your host is Impilo Kambule. In the midst of political unrest, I'm joined today by Mandla Montinkosi. When Monti obtained an Association of Accounting Technician or AET Level 1 certificate from Swarthen College of Technology, and in 1987, he came to the US of A to study accounting at the University of the District of Columbia. Monty Nkosi, welcome, sir. Thank you for having me on the show. I can see that you are dressed in the US of A, Americalia. Are you ready for war? <laughs> yes, ready for war. I'm going on a shooting range, preparing to learning how to use the... Uh, uh, various weapons. Are you going to descend down in Swazden because people are warming up? Uh, it seems like they, <laughs> they want to fight the regime that has been oppressive to them. Do you want to lead up the ranks down there? <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, it's, uh, It remains open. I'm here in the United States. If, if, if push comes to shove, I have to uh, get on the ground. Uh, I will make that trip. All right. Absolutely. It is customary with me to always ask my guests just to give a, a brief background about themselves. Please go ahead and do same. Okay. I was uh, I was born at Nazarene uh, in Manzini, uh, in the same ward, uh, same hospital as King Mswati III. Exactly the same ward, uh, same hospital, Nazarene. Uh, as you enter Manzini, it's on the right-hand side. I was born there, grew up in Bunya, and then we moved to uh, Babani. Uh, and then from Babane, uh, we moved back to Manzini. Uh, and and, and uh, I attended Bunya Elementary and went to Evelyn Baring uh, Boarding School from one, from, from one to from three. And then from there, I went to uh, St. Mark's, graduated uh, from St. Mark's High School. And then I uh, went to Swazen College of Technology, studied uh, a, AAT Level 1. And from there, I uh, worked uh, temporarily for uh, the Mencom group of companies. And then uh, uh, Brewery, Coca-Cola, Mguani Brewery, uh, Sable Foundation. And then came to uh, the United States, uh, went to the University of District of Columbia, did my undergraduate uh, in accounting. I majored in accounting and finance. And I've been working since as an accountant. I've worked for a total of 17 entities, mostly multi-billion dollar organizations. I've worked for for-profits, I've worked for profit organization, I've worked for uh, quasi-government, I've worked for government proper. I've also worked for the airlines, uh, airline reporting corporation, for example. I've also um, uh, worked for non-profits and also I've worked for private billionaires uh, like Tom Gores and the Koch brothers. Quite a, a very a flowery background, hey. Well, Thank I you. want us to get rolling into these political affairs in Swaziland. Things have been uh, terrible. So many people have been killed, as you are aware, and a lot of people who have been following what we have uh, been talking about here with previous guests. But there are competing philosophical or political philosophies or opinions. Pro-democracy legislators, two of them have been arrested. One of them is in exile. They have been consistent advocating for an elected prime minister and mm -hmm. still maintaining the office of the monarchy, even though he is, um, we will say, responsible for butchering of so many Swazis and others are still incarcerated. And another legislator who came to a Swatin Institute of Alternative Ideas platform, on that interview, he was also persistent, consistent. He was saying 
there is no better option than negotiating with the king's government. What's your position? Why that position? Uh, my position is that, uh, I mean, it's, it's, I've been saying this for the last eight years since I've been involved in this movement, uh, that uh, uh, King Mswati actually is, um, has disqualified himself to play any kind of uh, uh, leadership role in Swaziland. He is the biggest criminal in Swaziland and committing some of the most despicable, heinous crimes against humanity. This man has no place uh, in, uh, in a civilized society. And on those basis, uh, I think he needs to abdicate. And uh, if Swazis decide they want to remain a, a kingdom, uh, we need to pick a new king for the nation. But I'm a strong advocate that uh, we need to do away uh, totally with the institution of the monarchy. I don't see um, I don't see us losing our culture simply because we no longer have the institution of the monarchy. I think it's very destructive. It's very uh, a cost prohibitive. It has uh, cost us a lot in Swaziland. I think we need to go for the presidency. And this is why uh, uh, kings have been eradicated across the globe, because it just doesn't make sense to have somebody born into your position. You have to earn the position through uh, achievements, accomplishments, uh, and then you get into your position. You shouldn't just be born into your position from birth. Then, uh, you know, you're just uh, named as a king because of the accident of birth. You've just mentioned something about culture that you can do away with the monarchy and kind of like maintain uh, some of uh, the cultural activities that we have uh, year in, year out. Can culture exist without the monarchy? And if so, what should remain and what should become a relic of the past? Uh, That's really up to the people of Swaziland. That is something that we have to uh, discuss as a nation. And uh, I have my own personal opinions. I, I have never attended any of the, um, uh, uh, the uh, cultural activities in Swaziland. And I'm still perfectly a Swazi. And I'm very proud of my culture. I'm very proud of uh, uh, the heritage, especially uh, uh, the, the, the way, for example, we raise our children in Swaziland. Uh, uh, it, it gives you a very strong foundation as a child. Uh, how you respect the elders and, and, and how you're brought up, not just by your father and mother, but the whole extended family. So those cultures, I don't think will, will go away. And uh, so we, are we going to have to continue with Umslana? That's something we have to discuss. Are we going to continue with Lusegwani? That is something we're going to have to discuss. Inguala, because a lot of these cultural activities have something, things that go that are heinous behind them. And I don't think as a civilized society, we need to continue those. So, but Swazis, if this is what they want, this is what they want. Uh, I'm not imposing, but I'm suggesting that some of these need to be discarded. They have no place in a civilized society. I understand from reading various publications online that is the news and following uh, Swatin Institute of Alternative Ideas, <coughs> they have got uh, an online, or I should say a weekend publication, The Breach. And as I follow social media, I realized that people on the ground are frustrated. They want to fight back instead of just massaging the situation. What's your view? Fight or exhort some other remedies? And I would like to know what are those remedies? Well, there are many ways to fight. You can have violent overthrow, uh, which is, I'm not an advocate uh, for for a violent overthrow because it sets a very precedent. If you look at countries like Nigeria, they've never known peace because you don't like a government, then it's, you have to uh, just go ahead and overthrow that government. And usually the military gets involved. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very much against that. 
I think there's a way that as Swazis, uh, we can all come together. There's unity in power. There's strength in unity. Basically, if we all come together as Swazis, uh, so uh, all, I say all the various political parties, the unions, civil society, um, the various groups, and uh, you have the, the religious groups, we all come together and form what we call a government of national unity. That is the missing piece on the ground in Swaziland. I've worked closely with congressmen and senators here in the United States, and they always say, Manti, what is Swaziland without the king? The king is an absolute monarch. It seems the people of Swaziland really are into the king, and that's the unifying force. We see some of the things he's doing, we're unhappy with it, but what's the alternative? And, 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 and who are the good players? Who are the good guys on the ground? And I always don't have an answer. So the answer now, I've realized, we have the leaders on the other side but they have to come together as a unified force because that will give confidence to the international community that we're not going to have a power vacuum in Swaziland. We're not going to have a, a disarray and chaos where it's a free for all. So right now, the king is the full state missionary. This is why he's able to play this role as God in Swaziland. And the only way to defeat God is for all of us to unite together as one unified force and then apply the pressure from within and the international community can apply the pressure from without. So how do we go about you know, getting the international community applying the pressure from without? Probably we, later we may talk about what Swazis need to do on the ground. But for now, sure. let's just talk about how do we get the international community. We have, we have seen with Sadak what they have done. And it seems like it's just an old boys club, as somebody will say. There is nothing that they do when they come to each of the countries when there is political unrest. So what's your suggestion? What's your view there? How do we get them really gearing up and uh, helping the Swazi people in such circumstances? I think Julius Malema accurately described the, uh, Sadak, what Sadak is, and that's what I believe they are. Uh, what I would say is that we really need to look up to the European Union and the United States. Those countries, they have the muscle and they have the teeth and uh, we are their biggest beneficiaries in terms of uh, aid uh, uh, um, uh, per capita. If you look at the, uh, the economy of the Swaziland, really, it, it is the United States and the European Union. Without them, we're nothing. And then you factor in also maybe South Africa. But then if those two giants, uh, the European Union, uh, United Kingdom in particular, and the United States apply the maximum pressure uh, and then they will put the pressure as well on South Africa because those are their products that are made in South Africa being exported to uh, Swaziland. So when you apply sanctions, so we could uh, use sanctions, targeted sanctions. Right now, we have outlined all kingdoms with these businesses. And some of them uh, are international uh, corporations like uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. So we can push the headquarters of Kentucky Fried Chicken in America, the headquarters of Coca-Cola in America, the headquarters of Congo in America, just like we did in South Africa, to apply direct sanctions. King Swati owns the most shares in most of these companies. So if we, inf if we come to Big Daddy uh, and say, hey, you see what he's doing now in Swaziland. So they will apply, when you hit somebody on the pocketbook like King Swat, he's actually technically finished right now. Which is, is in the coffin. All we have to do is put the nail in the coffin. Yeah, I'm being told, I've got inside information that he's pacing back and forth. He's having sleepless nights. And he's heavily sedated on drugs. So it just shows you that the other shoe will drop any time. 
then we will not be ready on the ground. So we as Swazis need to come together and form this government of national unity. One, to give confidence to the international community that we are united, we're not gonna have chaos on the ground. And two, the funding will come because the funding is what we need now more than ever. So uh, we have to be organized, we have to be structured, and it has to be a formalized group to say, these are the voices, the alternative voice. So that when the king says, going to Mklanga, that group comes and speaks on behalf of Swazis. No, we're not going to Mklanga because we're putting people at risk who are going to be infected by COVID. Because the mm -hmm. king, as you can say, the way he's running the country right now, he's a criminal. The army, they're criminals. The police, they're criminals. So who's going to defend the nation? Only if we come together as a government of national unity, we will have that clout. Before we go into government of national unity, I, I want to just backtrack and talk about, you talked about funding, and then that funding will come once we have established a government of national unity. It has been said that he who pays the piper chooses the tune. Won't we find ourselves having uh, the problem of being controlled after Swazis have achieved their goal of uh, you know, yes. getting this democracy that they're yearning for? Usually people who will fund they are also interested in moving forward. They may want to control and say, hey, come on, folks. I've given you so much money when you were dealing with this problem. Now that you are in a democratic, I expect to participate. You know, no. other people will want to have certain concessions, you know, on, on mineral rights and stuff like that. You can see in other countries where there's some instability or some problems because there are outside forces that are controlling people from within. So how do we avoid that? Uh, actually, when I say United States, it's not even the government per se. You have to understand how America operates. We have civil rights leaders in America who led the struggle against apartheid. And then they apply the pressure on their government to disinvest. So it's not necessarily that the United States had uh, put business interest in South Africa to control. And uh, after the fact, as you can see today, you know, the ANC is in charge, family in charge. Uh, and they work alongside with the white, the, the, the rich whites. Uh, you know, so so I don't think United States has any uh, particular interest in Swaziland in terms of uh, gaining any material wealth. It's a small country. It's it's very very small, and uh, there's nothing really of substance in Swaziland that the United States would want. Maybe strategically as a location, um, because we're so close to South Africa, because uh, that's where the Atlantic Ocean meets the Indian Ocean. United States is particularly. In, interested. That's why we have an air base in Botswana as United States. And then also we have one of the biggest embassies uh, there, which is in Swaziland, which I would think it's probably because we're monitoring the region, in particular with uh, a, a special emphasis on the, uh, the coast, uh, Indian Ocean and Atlantic Ocean. I don't think we need to worry about that, as well as Europe. I don't think Europe is interested in anything to control Swaziland. I'm sure other people may disagree and say that the West has always had interest in South Africa, because as you can see with the mines there, who are the people who are operating the mines? Why would Judas Malema say, let's, let's nationalize the mines? Who are the biggest beneficiaries? There? But the I don't want us to go there. I, I don't want sure. us to go there. Now I want, I want sure. us to move on to sure. government of national unity. What would be the role of Monty in the government of national unity in the past? You have stated categorically that once the Swazis are freed, you'll be interested to run for president. Why should Swazis have trust in you as somebody that is related to, should I say, the royal family? You have always stated again and again that you have got ties, their connections. Wouldn't that be a second coming of the king where the people will be funneled <laughs> back to the royal family who have been so brutal to them? 
I think it's pretty evident where I stand today. Uh, obviously, all options on the table in terms of uh, whether I run for office in Swaziland or not. Um, right now, I see myself as a consultant, as someone who understands both sides of the Atlantic Ocean. I understand the West. Uh, I've, I've lived here, I've studied here, and I work here. I've worked politics. I have the relationships here, both uh, government and the private sector. I am well connected and I see myself uh, uh, and also having lived and grown up in Swaziland, I understand the expectations on the ground and really what Swaziland needs. So I see myself as playing a role, bringing the two sides together, which is what my master's degree and PhD studies are about, uh, international business. So I'm focusing on bringing the two sides because I understand both sides of the Atlantic Ocean. So I see myself playing a larger inter international role, like uh, bringing direct foreign investments into Swaziland, uh, creating livable wage jobs. So I, I intend to work closely with the government. If Swazis recall me and say, Monty, we want you to come and lead the country, then that's, that's open. That's on the table. Uh, I'm willing to play that role. If my people call me, I, I will have to uh, respond to that call. <laughs> when will such government, that is the government of national unity, be established? Now, it's actually uh, a, a way overdue. I've been calling for this. Uh, Why now? Why now? Now, more so in particular, because we can see how weakened Kingdom Swati is, and uh, the country is is a state of is in a state of paralysis, a total state of dysfunction. So in order for the country to function, we need a strong opposition, and that's going to be a government of national unity in the interim, and a government of national unity in waiting, because there's no other alternative at this stage. You know, it's either we're going to continue, either this state and the Kingdom Swati, or we're going to create an alternative in waiting. So we have to be ready to hit the ground running. He's likely to just leave the country now, because from the state, his, his mental state right now is, is, is a, 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 a very, very concerning. And you can see the decision he's been making recently and how uh, the army is structured as well as the police force. He's paranoid here to go to uh, uh, West Africa to get the Equatorial Guinea to come in and protect him. And I've never seen them ever. It's an unprecedented thing I've ever seen to see a leader in, a, in, a, in his own country go get a foreign uh, mercenaries to come and protect him in his own country. So he doesn't trust his own military. So, so basically, it's being saying the people of Swazin have given me a no vote of confidence. So now we need a government, a real government that's going to be accountable and responsible for the people of Swazin. Now they're going to play the role of uh, being the voice of the Swazi people. Because now you have all these groups and silos, and that's what gives the king an edge to say, look at them, they're bickering, they're fighting, they will never run this country. And then so if all these nations support King Swati by default, because we don't have a strong united voice that's showing readiness to govern. I want us to show readiness to govern as people of Swaziland. And also, you remember, we need to transition the country. The full state missionary is under one family, one man. So that needs to go back to the people of Swaziland. And not one political party is going to be able to do that alone. So we need to do that now and prepare the ground for democracy. And we can't have democracy while the full state missionary is within one family and one. So if Mswati escapes the country or he commits suicide, which I think is going to be either or, uh, then the royal family is going to unite because now they are protecting their, 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 their livelihood. So uh, they are freebies. So they're going to pick another king for us because they still have the instruments of power. So we have to wrestle right now with them to take the instruments of power. And it's going to happen through the government of national unity, working with the international institutions 
and the local people of Swazin. The people of Swazin have spoken. You've seen the empty trucks not going to uh, Umshan. So they're no longer listening to the king. You know, you've seen, yeah, so it clearly the people of Swazin no longer want the king. So the king has to go. But before the king goes, we need to be ready to take over the government and take over the, the state, full state missionary from the royal family back to the people of Swaziland. Until that happens, nothing is doing. So how do we form this government of national unity? What would be the criteria? Of, what are the kind of uh, uh, people the, that the we should form part of do the people? Do the people of the Swaziland have the will? Do they realize we have no other alternative but to come together as a unified force? So first and foremost, the people have to come to the realization. Uh, I've spoken to the Podemo president. Uh, he's well aware and he has accepted that reality. Mm-hmm. I've spoken to Lindy Umazibugo. He's well, she's well aware. She's accepted that reality. So I've not I've spoken to the other smaller uh, political parties, but those are the two biggest political parties. I see them playing, uh, playing a major role. So now those two uh, groups need to then, uh, and the other, as well as the other political parties, need to come together uh, in, in a show of force, because we have to show King Mswati, okay, your time is up. Mm-hmm. Now we have people who are ready to take that position, because you are not running the country anymore. In fact, we are destroying the country, and we are now declared war on the people of Swaziland. So we are here to defend the people of Swaziland. This government national of unity is going to call upon the international community with a louder, stronger voice. So it has to happen. So how it's going to be formed, they have to decide. But I'm saying the political parties, all of them, choose one member, and then also union members, civil society members, as well as the religious groups, uh, people of uh, religious leaders, like I can see, for example, uh, when I grew up with Bunya, he's a Lamin, he's a Apostle Justice Lamin. I could see him uh, playing uh, that role, and uh, you can pick another uh, religious leader. That's just me giving an example. So, and they all come together in a unified fashion to form this government of national unity in waiting. We have a, a reality on the ground that as you form the government of national unity, there are those that are pro-king, both in the army or the so-called armed forces and uh, within the structures of government. That may pose a serious problem, uh, I foresee. The, the How... government national unity can give us a referendum. We can have a referendum. It's very easy. Once mm-hmm. the government of national unity is on the ground, um, we have to get a point where there's a level playing field. Because right now, Swazis are under duress. Swazis believe in the king because they're under duress, which means they're not speaking their own free will. So until we get to a point where the country is free, we can't even really express ourselves. People want the king because the king is the full state missionary. He's got the goodies. So people are going to you know, support the king because right now he's controlling the king's, the nation's press. You see? Mm-hmm. So quite naturally, people are going to support the king as opposed to political parties who have no money, who have nothing to offer them in terms of material goods and survival right now. So that's other thing we have to be cognizant of that, that people are in this position, not really because they love the king. I mean, you, you, you heard Kauzela say, I love the king. We love kings. Do you really think that's what he meant? You know, because of fear and intimidation, you see? And he's saying this while he's in exile. <laughs> no, I, I think I get you on that one. So what's your message about uh, independence and uh, is independence worth celebrating under these no. circumstances? No, absolutely not. And uh, especially it's more so clear now. I mean, we have a king who has killed over 70 uh, Swazis, some of them still unaccounted for. 
He has instructed the soldiers and the police to shoot and kill. He has brought him a senator from out of the country to come and kill the people of Swaziland. He has, uh, uh, he continues to loot left, right and center. And he continues to, to, to so, so my thing is then we're not independent. We're still being controlled by one man and one family. So what's the need of, of, of an independence, uh, celebrating Independence Day? So no, uh, it shouldn't be celebrated. It should be boycotted year after year. And in fact, now the king should be boycotted. All his institutions, Bunumol, Kentucky Fried Chicken, you name it, Tibio, Tisuga, those institutions must be boycotted. In fact, I'm even going to the extent as the, if the continue con continues to, 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 to do this violence, uh, then I'll instruct the people of Swaziland to start looting Kentucky Fried Chicken, to start looting, to go into this, this, this Bunu Mall and light it up. You know, so we're going to have to get there. We have to fight war. That's what Nelson Mandela did in South Africa. We kept saying, peace, peace, dialogue, and it fell on deaf ears. He decided to pick up arms. We're going to have to do the same thing in Swaziland. So, Monty, what's your vision of the kingdom of Eswatini? What's the, what's the future as you can envision it? Uh, the vision of Swaziland, I would like to see a just, fair, equitable society for all 1.3 million Swazis. What I've typically seen in Africa is that um, you have uh, the urban centers uh, getting the main focus. So you find there's a very small middle class that moves up after independence. And then the bulk of the people, especially village-based communities, they, get, they remain trapped in what we call a permanent underclass. And then you also have what we call uh, uh, one-party states. Uh, for example, Botswana to me is a one-party state because it's the same party since independence. There's no opposition, really, if you were to ask me. And same thing in South Africa. You have a one-party state. So you're going to have an ANC for a long, long time in power. And you're going to have the B BDP for a long, long time in power. And that creates a role of corruption uh, whereby people start calling for a second revolution. So what I want us to do in Swaziland, I want us to do it once and I, I want us to do it well and, and perfectly. And um, so that is why I'm pushing for this government of national unity to truly level the playing field. I want us to have a vibrant democracy in Swaziland where we don't know who's going to be the winning political party or who's going to be the president, like in the United States. And when we come together at this government national unity, we can create the structures and parameters where we can avoid having a dominant group uh, take over a state power and, 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 and continue to do what actually King Swat is doing, which is looting, and which is what we're seeing. So I want us to avoid that in Swaziland. I want us to build. And one of the things, as, an, as a consultant working with the government, new government in Swaziland, I see myself really playing a direct role right away in our village-based communities. There's a lot of investments we could do right away, like uh, a safe, clean drinking water, and also distribution of resources in terms of uh, building schools and hospitals in those areas and creating jobs, local-based economies, so that we avoid this rural urban migration where people are leaving the villages and going to uh, the cities. So we are a, a, a heavily uh, a cultural country. Uh, so we need to get into farming big, create subsidies for those people in 80% living in, in the villages to uh, practice not only subsistence farming, but also contribute to food security in the country. So we'll help them fertilize the irrigation schemes. And there's a way to do that. It's been done in places like the Gaza Strip. I've got friends who've done it. So that's where our vision. I want us to uplift the economy of Swaziland and uplift the people of Swaziland to, to get into the middle class, not just have the few middle class people and forget about the rest of our people.
Since we have had the political unrest in Swaziland, the Marine, the US Marine has decided into Swaziland. What does that suggest? What does that spell out for the Kingdom of Swaziland? As uh, I've mentioned in some of my conversations with Swazis, that uh, uh, one of the cues you must get to understand uh, when this regime change is to see a large reinforcement of U.S. sources in any particular country. They know because they have intelligence on the ground and they do assessments. So they know that Kingdom Swati is done. So <laughs> that's, that's basically what it means. They want to protect their assets. They want to protect their embassy. They want to protect their people, their Americans. They want to get the Americans out of there as soon as possible. So that's what they are there for. So they are not there uh, to, 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 to protect Swazis, but they are there to protect the American interest, which is the embassy and the American people in Swaziland. I think there are over 2,000 Americans in Swaziland. So that's why they are there. And um, so that's another sign that shows you that uh, 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 King Swati is finished, is done. So they're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. And that's why I say Swazis need to get this government of national unity as quickly as possible up and running so we can, we can uh, begin the transition. Thank you, Monte. Uh, we need to bring this to a close. Uh, thank you so much for your time and for coming through to the show. How do people find Monte or connect with Monte since you say you want to play this advisory role uh, for the Swazi people? Uh, as you can see, I've got over 5,000 friends on Facebook, uh, friends. So I've reached the maximum capacity and uh, 90% of them are Swazis. So uh, a lot of Swazis are aware that I'm on Facebook and uh, they've seen my videos on Facebook. So they can always reach me. They've reached me through the inbox. I get a thousand inbox messages a day on average. So they can reach me via Facebook. Um, some folks already, the political parties have my uh, uh, number. So they can reach me through WhatsApp. I'm Lungis Makanya, Smonglemas Bugo, Gavin McFadden, all those, a lot of our political leaders, they have my information. So I'm very transparent and I'm open. They can easily reach me. Thank you for coming through, Monty. Bye. Thank you.